Praise God. And we're in the middle of a series here called Awesome Building Awesome Relationships, Fighting for Awesome Relationships. I've got a pretty good bit of material to cover this morning, which I always do. So I'm going to try not to talk in, uh, incredibly fast. But uh, we're, we've talked about having a great friendships, God bringing supernatural people into your life to help you. I'm hell glad you got some good people in your life. We actually talked about, listen, if you say, I don't have any friends. Uh, what the Bible says scripturally, you can do to get some. You can, there are some things you can do. We've spent some, some, some weeks talking about great uh, marriages, even if you're single, some good things, the good stuff we've, we've talked about. And uh, last week we started talking about having a great relationship with God. If you're going to have a great relationship with God, you're going to have to get in, get in His presence. And I talked to you about four ways whenever you come into God's presence, you need to come humble, you need to come honest. God, this is, you know, these are my problems, my struggles, my strengths. And uh, you need to come in as a child of God. You don't have to come crawling in. Uh, you can come in because he's your daddy. And I encourage you to come into his presence expecting. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of God that you may obtain help and find mercy in the time of need. So in any, in any relationship, if, if you're going to be successful at it, you're going to have to get in each other's presence, right? For me and my wife to have a good relationship, we're going to have to get in each other's presence. And lots of times you can be in each other's presence, but really not be there. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? You can be in Facebook world, or you can be in career mode, or you can be in the NBA finals. You can be in the same room and still not be together. So you've got to have some time where you just get in each other's presence, right? We just got back from our little annual uh, vacation, and uh, it was great. Great, wonderful. Spent four days just laying, and I remember laying there and looking up and thinking, I like the way the palm trees make little shadows on my head from the breeze. It's really, really nice. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So, but for us to have a great relationship, we've got to spend some time in each other's presence without the kids. Amen. If you want to be a great parent, you're going to have to spend some time with your kids. That's just a fact. So, and if you want to have a great relationship with God, you're going to have to get in His presence. And uh, there's a way to do that. We talked about that last week. This week, I want to talk about communication. If you're going to have a great relationship, you're going to have to communicate well with the people around you, your friends, your family, your loved ones, and you're going to have to learn how to communicate with God. You can't have a good relationship if you can't communicate, and if you don't ever talk to God, then something's wrong. You really don't have a relationship with God. You just want salvation. You want to go to heaven. But you really don't have a relationship with God. And you're never going to have one until you learn how to talk to him. And I see a lot of times, a lot of people, they spend their whole life praying. I've been praying to God for, for 50 years. But God never says anything back. Have you ever felt like that before? Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Garth Brooks, nobody? What's wrong with y'all? Unanswered prayers, right? You go through your whole life and you think, I've been praying, but God never talks back. Well, I want you to know that God does talk back. He talks back. So uh, you're not hearing him, but I assure you, uh, the, he's putting out the radio frequency. You're just on the wrong channel. Radio frequencies everywhere in this room right now. If you had you one of those real long redneck antennas. I mean, I saw, one, I saw a guy yesterday, he had three of them. I thought, by God, where is he trying to tune into? It's like, goodness gracious. Yeah, but you, you have these long CBs and you get on there, lost sheep to shepherd, lost sheep to shepherd, come back. Crazy, Cuda coming at you, come on. And you get on the right channel 
and you can pick up. My dad used to have one. We'd ride around. We'd listen to all the truckers. And you just go from one channel to the next. I promise you, God is broadcasting. But lots of people go through Christianity and they never have heard God say anything to them. That's one problem. Or number two is, I've prayed my whole life and I, I hear God talking to me, speaking to me, I think. Or in other words, they aren't sure is it God that's talking or is it just me that's talking? Is it my upbringing? Is it what I ate last night? How do I know if what I'm hearing is from God? How many of you ever been there? How do I know? I thought it was from God, but then it really didn't work out. So it must have not been from God. So now I question every time I hear this and I don't know whether it's not God. So I can't rely on it. I can't be dependent upon it. And I can't build my life upon that word of God. And it's left me as a confused Christian. I'm not talking about this morning. So, so that's two, two, two things that I want to look at. So I want to talk about this morning. Uh, how do you know it's God? Or the title of you see in your worship God is, is that you God? God is that, is that you. So I want to start. I want to give you some scriptures this morning. I want to talk to you uh, about how God speaks to you. God speaks to us lots of different ways. The number one way that God talks to you is through the Bible. Every time you open up the Bible, you're giving God the opportunity to talk to you. Anytime you don't open up the Bible, you're giving other things the opportunity to speak into your life. But every time you open up the Word of God, you're giving God the opportunity to speak into your life. If you ever want God to talk to you, the best thing you can do is open up the Bible. And lots of people say, well, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to read. Uh, pick something. It's amazing to me. I can open up my Bible many times and it'll almost fall open to something that's just like I can read it. And it just, it, I hear God's voice. Come on, you ever read, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. As you read that, he'll just come and he'll speak to you and say, I'm restoring your soul. And you just keep reading. He makes a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He'll come in and say, he'll actually start showing you your enemies, show you situations, show you ways out. What's God doing? He's speaking to you. He's taking the word of God and he's speaking to you through the word of God. Every time you get in the scriptures, every time you get in the word of God, God is it's it's an opportunity for him to commune with you. In the word of God, there's two different types of the word. One is called rhema and one is called logos. And that just means every time the word Bible is used in the New Testament, they either use the word rhema or logos. Logos just means, uh, excuse me, the spoken word of God. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Logos is the, is the written word of God. So that means your Bible, uh, if you take the written word of God, it is uh, Logos, or that just means it's universally for every person. Right, Any person can read the written word of God, the Logos word of God, and it's a beneficial today. And how many of y'all know if Wyatt Earp read it 100 years ago or when Christopher Columbus read it in 1492, hundreds of years of spans of time pass in between people reading, but it still meets them right where they're at. 
And it doesn't matter. You can be in Zimbabwe right now or in Zaire with people that speak Swahili. Or you can be in the beautiful country of Mexico. Or you can be in Spain. And the written word of God hits all those people the same way it hits you. It spans the space of time and nations and tongues. The, the, God says it like this. He says, heaven will pass away. Earth will pass away, but my word is forever established in heaven. In other words, a million years from now, we'll still be studying the word of God. It's the bedrock or the foundation of all of creation. That's the logos. So whenever you open it up, you say, God doesn't ever talk to me. Something's wrong. Because I promise you, he will speak to you through the written word of God. He just will. Just whenever I recite the 23rd Psalm, every person in here that's been born again, immediately God's word hits you right in your grill house and he restores your soul. He just does. That's what it does. The Bible says that it's alive. It's life breathing. It's like mouth to mouth. My pastor always said mouth to mouth resuscitation. God just puts his mouth on your mouth and he breathes the word of God into you. Now, the, the, the rhema word is the spoken word. Or that's whenever, all of you been there, people walk up to me and they'll say, whenever you were preaching, it was like you were speaking right to me. How many ever said that before? Have you ever been talking to your friend or talking to somebody? And when you were speaking, you were speaking right to me. Well, that's a rhema. That's a spoken word of God. Uh, let's say it like this. What up? That's just one more in the church this morning. Uh, uh, I, 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 now I want to look at this. In, in 1 Kings chapter 19... 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 11. This is, uh, this is Elijah talking. Elijah is a very powerful individual, had a great relationship with God, was always in God's presence. Therefore, he had a great relationship with God. He communicated with God. God talked to him, and he talked to God. So therefore, he had a great relationship with God. And this is what God is showing him. He says, go and stand out on that mountain before the Lord. This is God telling Elijah to do this. He says, and behold, the Lord passed by me, or passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. In other words, God told Elijah, he says, Elijah, go out there and this huge wind blows by, breaks rocks. But Elijah says that the Lord was not in the wind. And then the earthquake, the shaking, he says, the Lord wasn't in that. The fire, there wasn't in that. And then down on the inside, a still small voice came to Elijah. What, what's God teaching him? Lots of times we want God to speak to us very dramatically. Don't we? Do I marry him? And we want God to lower down this big check. I mean, that's all like marquee Vegas lit up. Yes. Right? Or we're wanting some supernatural wind to like part our hair. Yes, I should. We're wanting these big 
I mean, come on, don't lie. Don't we all want that? Whenever you talk to God, you want Him to be real profound and really loud. But here He says, I, I don't do that. And if you look at the 66 books of the Bible, you don't see God holler a whole lot. You don't see Jesus very loud. And, and there were times whenever he got angry and he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And he to flipped over the money changers. There were some instances, but by and large, 90% of the time, God came in a still small voice. And 90% and of the time, the way God's going to lead you is he's going to lead you by the written word of God. And he's going to lead you by the still small voice. Don't watch that. This is my favorite show. Don't watch that. Don't do that. You better watch them. There'll be a still, small voice. And you can either override that thing. And then the Bible says if you do that, you'll actually sear your conscience. Just like you can sear a steak and it's no longer tender. It gets tough. You can override that still, small voice. Or you can, you can tune in. You stay on that frequency. He's always broadcasting. And you can follow that still, small voice. And he'll lead you. Let me, let me read this. Let, let's look at it this way. John chapter 10 verse 27. This is Jesus speaking. I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified Version. Jesus, red letter here. Verse number 27 through the 10th chapter of John. Jesus said this. He said, the sheep that are my own hear and listen to my voice. We're talking this morning about hearing God's voice. Jesus' voice. Jesus said, I'm the shepherd. My sheep that are my own. So you have to be in possession. Jesus has to be your shepherd, right? But he says, once I'm your shepherd, you become my sheep. You hear and you listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I have good news this morning. No matter what you did this week or this month or how many uh, bad things that you've done, from this moment on, you can live the rest of your life making 100% correct decisions. And you say, wow, Pastor, that's kind of a big statement to say that from now on, I can live the rest of my life making 100% of my decisions correctly. Well, I can tell you, I've made tens of thousands of decisions in my life. And every one of them... That I followed the voice of my shepherd. It was a correct decision. And uh, with a hundred percent certainty. Every one of them. I didn't listen to my shepherd. It was not a good decision. But every person in here can walk out of this room knowing. I've done some really stupid things. But from this point on, if I will do what he says do, if I'll lean into the voice of my shepherd, I can make 100%. What would your day look like if tomorrow for 24 hours you made every decision correctly? What would your week look like if you went seven days making every decision correctly? Wouldn't that be a crazy week? You would probably look better, smell better, have more money in your account. There ain't no telling what would happen if for seven days you said, I'm going to make 100% of my decisions correctly. What would a year look like? What would a life look like if you decided as a sheep, I'm going to give 100% of my effort to making 100% of my decisions. You'd live to be 120, I guarantee you, and you'd die rich. You probably just go straight to heaven. You may just be like Enoch. 
and just take off. Just, the Bible says that he was no more. Just, just take off. So I'm just saying, listen, God wants you to hear his voice. Jesus here speaking, he says, listen, my sheep, they know my voice. And if they'll listen to me, they can make 100% of their decisions correctly. Let's, let's keep going. He says, they follow me. Verse 28, he says, I'll give them eternal, eternal life. They'll never lose or perish it throughout the ages. Ages is actually uh, meaning a time on the earth. So actually, he says, you'll have eternal life in heaven, but while you're on the earth, you won't perish. Perish just means, when, how many of you ever came? I came home from my vacation, and my heavy whipping cream was lumpy. <laughs> Made me so mad. I got up this morning to make my coffee, and I went to pour my heavy whipping cream, and it, it was perished. It, it was, yeah, and we had left Chick-fil-A in our car, and it sat there for like five days. Woo-wee! Yeah. Perish just means going backwards, right? It's not going forwards. He says, not, he says you'll have eternal life, and you don't have to worry about going backwards. You can go forwards. Amen. Come on, you don't always have to feel like I'm backpedaling. He says, listen, if you'll tune in, if you'll listen to me, excuse me, I'll make sure that you go forward. Let's go, and I've got to get off of this scripture. I'm using all my time on one scripture. He says, he says, they'll never lose it. They'll never perish throughout the ages. To all eternity, they'll never by any means be destroyed. And nobody will be able to snatch them out of my hand. In other words, no weapon formed against you will prosper. He says, nobody will be able to stop you or even slow you down. Amen. Hallelujah. He's, and this is, all has to do with one voice. Jesus is talking about us listening to the written word of God and the spoken, the still small voice down on the inside so god speak to us that way god speaks through us through individuals we've all been there you were speaking just to me god speaks to us uh through uh the uh the church i mean ever uh the jesus said behold uh, i give apostles prophets preachers teachers and evangelists that's called the five-fold ministry gift jesus is leaving the earth for the last time, he says, I'm coming back, but before I go, I'm going to leave with you some gifts in the church. Preachers, teachers, prophets, evangelists. He leaves five-fold ministry gifts that, that you hear God through those. That's why it's important for you to be at church. Not just so that you can hear me or see me, but whenever you show up, you're actually expecting that the voice of God's going to come through who God assigned here. And the Bible says, what's it for? He says, he left us the gifts of the ministry for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the saints you leave church built up edify you're ready to double-edged sword something like where if you don't do that you just go to the lake then then things just aren't as good you don't get that sword in your hand so god speaks to us all different ways but what i want to find and i won't get to all of it obviously is uh how do you know whenever the word comes to you that that it's not just from somebody else or something that somebody thought up that it's actually from heaven or from God. So if you've got your worship guide, you've got some, uh, some blanks there. There's seven questions that you can ask that says, How do I know if what I am being feel like I'm supposed to do is really from God? Number one is, does it agree with the Bible? In other words, God's not going to tell you to do anything that doesn't agree with the Bible. I've actually had people tell me before, say, well, the Lord told me that we could sleep together because we're getting married. Well, no, he didn't. He did. I'm sorry. 
and you do whatever you want to do, but that's just not scripturally accurate because God would never tell you to do something that isn't, doesn't line up with the scriptures. Well, the government doesn't handle our money very well, so I feel like it's okay for me to fudge the numbers on my taxes. Well, the Lord would never lead you to do something like that because it doesn't line up scripturally. Remember, remember whenever they came to Jesus, they said, Jesus, we're supposed to pay our taxes? I mean, I remember what Jesus did. Jesus said, who's on that coin? And he took out the coin and then he said, Caesar. And Jesus said, give Caesar what is Caesar's and give God what is God's. In other words, Jesus very clearly says, he says, yes, you need to pay your taxes. There is a portion of your money that belongs to God, whether you give it to him or not. That's your decision. There's a portion of your money that belongs to the IRS. And whether you give it to them or not, unlike me, they'll actually come and take it from you. I mean, I know you don't mess with the IRS, right? I ain't paying. Yeah, you are. No, I ain't. Yeah, you are. They're going to come get it. You're not going to have any rims. You're going to walk outside to a car with no rims. They, the IRS is going to get theirs. I promise you. So the, so the, the Jesus or, or, or the, the witness that you're going to have is not going to tell you to do something unethically. It's just, it's just not going to happen. So does it agree with the Bible? Uh, number two, on that note, before, before you go, let me, I want to, I have this and I want to put this down. You don't even have to pray about it. In other words, sometimes we're praying about, Lord, what do you want me to do here? The answer is in the Bible. And, and, and the reason that you're not hearing his answer is because he's already put it in the Bible. So I think sometimes Christians get hung up praying for something and they'll pray for years about something and the answers in the Bible. There's many things you don't need to pray about. And I know coming from a pastor that probably sounds weird, but I can tell you with 100% certainty, if the answer's in the Bible, why spend years praying for an answer that he's already given you? Don't, don't waste your time praying about an answer that's already there. The Ten Commandments, they're still legit. Right? I mean, you don't have to, to like intercede. Well, I'm just praying about what to do. It's right there. So how many of y'all think it's important for you and I, if it's the foundation of everything, the chairs that you're sitting on, it's a foundation of all, crea of all creation, it's forever established in heaven, and, and, and it's the key to you hearing God 90% of the time, it's to our benefit to, for us to have some knowledge of it. Yeah. Amen. 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 All right, number two. Is what I'm being told to do, will it make me more like Christ? In other words, Jesus is the standard. How many of y'all know that Jesus is the standard? We're told over and over again to model our life after Jesus. Jesus is patient, he's kind, he's loving, he's forgiving. So is the instruction that I feel like I'm getting, does it move me uh, towards being like Christ or not? How many of y'all remember back in the, uh, what would Jesus do? Am I dating myself? What was that? About 1998 or something. Everybody had the bracelets. What would Jesus do? And then they went to these different ones. Fog and frog and, and uh, awesome. Or I don't even know what all of them. Armor. Push. That's a good one. Push. What was push? Pray until something happens. Push. 
that's labor. Anyway, uh, so, you know, they had all these bracelets. But what would Jesus do was actually a pretty good one, right? Is if I don't know if I should do this or not. Well, what would Jesus do? If, would, if I do this thing, is it going to make me more like Jesus? If the answer is yes, then, then, then there's a good chance that it came right out of heaven. If the answer is no, there's a good chance that it didn't. Let, let, let's, let, let me clarify this, and this will have to be the last one. I apologize, we're not getting all of them. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 17, let's look at this verse, and, and I'll end with, with this one. James chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Real wisdom from God is pure. Wisdom that is from above, you can look up on the screen, I'll read off the screen. Wisdom that is from above, is this really from God or not? Well, God's going to clear it up, He's going to clear it up for you right now. If it's from above, it's first pure. Is what I'm being told to do, is it pure? If it's not, it's not from above. Is it peaceable? Uh, God's instruction to you uh, solves conflict, it doesn't necessarily always create conflict. Right? People that are out there, people, people do a lot of bad things in the name of God. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? They're out picketing or fighting or shooting people all in the name of God. I could tell you with 100% certainty, it's not, it's not the way God does it. It's not the way Jesus does it. Jesus could have shot lightning out of his fingers, but we don't see him tasing anyone. Nowhere in the 27 books of the New Testament do we see Jesus tasing people. He just didn't do it, right? That's just not the way of Jesus. We do see him confronting people, but he does it. He says, peaceable, gentle. How I many y'all think Jesus was gentle? They, would bring, they bring the woman caught in the act of adultery. They're ready to kill her on the spot. She's half naked and they're ready. They're about to kill her. Jesus goes... And is he confrontational? You better believe it. He's writing somebody's name in the sand. And it might be yours. Well, you erase that sand. Right. Move, Jesus. Let me erase that. Well, Jesus, Jesus there. He's there writing people's name in, in the sand. So he, was, he, he, he dealt with things, but he dealt it in, in, in a certain way. Gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy. How I many are glad Jesus was merciful? He was. He said, go, go, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. She don't have a husband, everybody. She's married, been married five times. Jesus did not do that. Jesus said, that's right. The person that you're living with now is not your husband. He dealt with the sin, right? And he said, uh, the, the person that you're living with is, is not your husband. You've been married five times. Uh, but then he ends the conversation. He says, go and sin no more. So he didn't condone her sin and didn't say that, that, that she shouldn't stop sinning. He dealt with it, but he dealt it full of mercy, full of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Everybody say hypocrisy. Don't we not like that one? Really hurt the church in a lot of ways. People doing things in the name of God, but then they aren't living it out. So the question I have for you is, is if, if you're getting signals, and you say, man, I feel like I, I should do this. Is it, is it going to move you towards Jesus, the standard of Jesus that he has set forth? Will people see Jesus in it or through it? Or is it just you like self-promotion?
like I'm going to get rich really quick. The Lord gave me a great idea to make a lot of money real fast. Well, the Lord usually doesn't do that. Why? Because God is interested in your character, not just your comfort. Right? So, so if you're pursuing something like, I really feel like this is an open door for me to do this. The Lord has opened this door for me to do something and for me to get really comfortable really quick. May not be from the Lord. Right? It, it just may not be. So you have to check it. Check it with the Word of God and check it with, is it going to make me more like Christ? God's wisdom is not selfish ambition. It is considerate. It is submissive. If you've really heard from God about it, then it'll have these characteristics. I mean, I think we can do just one more. Yeah. All right, let's do one more. Number three. Do fellow mature believers confirm, confirm, uh, confirm it? In other words, you need to have some good mature believers that you can filter things through. We like to watch like Survivor Man and stuff like that. And they, have, and they go out in the wilderness and they find a puddle of water. I mean, I've seen these guys. But they don't drink it. They start figuring out how they can filter it. And they'll run it through moss. You know, but once it comes through that moss, it still looks pretty disgusting, right? You're thinking, I wouldn't drink that. Or they'll take a bunch of charcoal and they'll filter it through charcoal from their fire and it still looks pretty disgusting it's black so so they'll run it through one filter how many y'all glad we don't drink things that have been run through one filter no we run them through a bunch of filters right we'll run it through one filter then another filter then another filter and the more filters we run it through the purer it becomes so my encouragement to you is if you feel like you're supposed to do something, you say, I feel like I'm supposed to, uh, you know, send my teenager to this program or I feel like I should discipline my child this way or I feel like I should start this business or I feel like I should do this. I feel like the Lord is telling me to do this. You need to find some successful believers. And my, my big word here is successful. Your Uncle Bob may not be the best filter you know what you need to do, boy. I was praying. Lord told me you should. No, you need to. I can't tell you how many people I've sat across the table with over the past six months as we prepare to build this church. I've sat across Christian believers who are architects, who are businessmen, who are in finance. That's why the people on the board of our church, one's an accountant, one's a banker. You know, I've... Put people around me that are good, successful, God-fearing, Christian filters that I can run information to. Let me give you a couple scriptures. The Apostle Paul, he used this word 114 times and it's the word ecclesia. And that's just the Greek word for church. 114 times in Paul's epistles, he kept saying this word ecclesia, ecclesia, ecclesia. And he said, don't forsake the gathering of the ecclesia. Go to the ecclesia. Spend time in the ecclesia. And the ecclesia just means the gathered ones or the church. After Jesus left this planet, 12 disciples became a body of believers, which is called the ecclesia. And that's where you and I go to help get uh, answers for, uh, from God. Proverbs, let me read this, Proverbs chapter 11. I'm going to read verse, a part of verse 9 and a part of verse 14. It says, you can be ruined by the talk of godless people. Put verse 9 up there. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9. 
You can be ruined by the talk of godless people, but the wisdom of the righteous can save you. How many of you have ever just gotten some good information before? Just some good information at the right time can save you a lot of heartache. I don't have teenagers. People sometimes, they ask me teenager questions. They're like, what, what, what should I do with my teenager? And I'm thinking, kill them. <sighs> just kidding. <laughs> you know how teenagers can be sometimes. And I'm thinking, golly, I don't want mine to ever be that age. Sorry. My wife's like, Kevin. Uh, but I, I, don't have, I don't have teenagers. So I'm easy to say, you know what, you need to go. I would ask such and such. They're, they've got great teenagers. They're great parents. You should go ask them and counsel them. There's people in, amongst your ranks that whether it's business or whatever it is, God will anoint them to help you because He wants you to hear His voice. And if you can't find it in Leviticus, I mean, I know Leviticus, Leviticus can be daunting. It's like... I have to take their spleen out? What does that mean? The Bible's really weird about some things, you know. It's like, remove their entrail. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what does that mean? Well, God will use people other than Leviticus, and it's called the Ecclesia. He'll use the church, the body of Christ. He says here, the righteous will be saved. The, the, the wisdom of the righteous can save you. Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in many advisors. Another scripture, it says, smart people get advice, fools don't. I love this. Put Ephesians 3.10 up there and I'll have to close with this. God's intent, this is God's intent, is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made Known, Ephesians 3.10, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. How many of y'all like the wisdom of God? Where does it come from? According to this scripture, it comes through the ecclesia. Through the church, the wisdom of God is made known. If God has genuinely spoke to you, He's given you an idea or something in your heart, He will confirm it through other believers. This is in your worship, God, and I'll close with this. You can read it out of there. It says the biggest reason people mess up in their lives, Christians, is that they try to live their life without accountability, anybody else, without any support, without any confirmation, without any guidance. But the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Men are horrible at this. We were on vacation, you know, and we were lost. And she says, let's just ask them. I was like, we are not asking for directions. We will walk around the Mexican ghetto. <laughs> what does she do? She walks her she walks she walks right into the jewelry store and winds up standing there a little longer than I was comfortable with. Because of course he gave her directions for us to get out of there and then he showed her showed her a whole bunch of some, some pretty stuff. I was like, We got directions, let's go. <laughs> so men don't always like to get this, but here he says, Listen. The manifold wisdom of God comes through the church. 
So that's, that's three. I won't get to the last four. But I know, listen, that some of you may feel like, well, I hear God good, and uh, I understand everything. I don't have any problem with this. Well, good. Maybe you can write these down and teach them, because I promise you, uh, you're going to run into a lot of people that say, how do I know if what I'm hearing is from God? I don't know. Or you're going to run into people say, I talk to God, but I don't hear anything back. He doesn't speak. I don't, I don't hear anything. What a tragedy whenever Jesus, that's the reason he came. Jesus, he said, I came so that my sheep can hear my voice. That's why he came. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the manifold wisdom of God coming even this morning. That even through the speaking and the teaching of the word of God, your wisdom is being spread throughout the body of Christ here in our own church. That you're answering questions that people have had many years about why it hasn't worked or why they can't hear or what's going on. I thank you, Lord, that this week and the next few weeks that you can you continue to, to unfold the wisdom of God. And, and number one, God, that you, that you unfold, uh, you're wanting to communicate with your kids, that you want so much uh, to, for, for us to hear your voice, that you're the good shepherd, and you don't want us to follow the voice of a stranger. I thank you, Lord, that you want to preserve us and keep us I thank you, Lord, for your wisdom, the wisdom of God, the voice of God coming through this morning.